And I always told myself, fear is my guiding star. Now, this is before I actually pursued music. And I always had that voice in the back of my head. You know, fear is your guiding star. Go towards your fear. Go towards your fear. So I did all of these other things to kind of scratch that itch of going towards my fear and using fear as my guiding star. If I'm afraid of something, I know exactly what I need to do. I need to do that one thing. There are no questions anymore. It's just that. another episode of Get Psyched. I'm your host, Lindsay, and today I'm sitting down with Whitney Miller. This show has been long, long, long anticipated by myself because I fucking love Whitney. She is awesome. And this was one of those episodes where I was a little bit nervous. I'll come out and just say it. I was nervous because she is a dream guest of sorts. And I was so, so, so stoked when she agreed to come on the show. A fellow podcast host, sex and relationship coach, and recording artist, you can imagine there was a ton of stuff for Whitney and I to talk about. Whitney shares so openly and so vulnerably about her launch into the music industry and how she got out of her own way, how facing her biggest fears got her into the most exciting times of her life. Though this podcast was recorded a few months back and Whitney was just getting ready to release her first song, she has also released 15 Minutes of Fame, which I shamelessly bump time and time again any time I'm in the car. So if you have not already, be sure to head over to Spotify, download 15 Minutes of Fame, and get an even further insight into Whitney's life. Until then, we have far more than 15 minutes, and I hope you enjoy this show just as much as I do. Until next week, enjoy the show. All right, friends, welcome back to Get Psyched. Sitting down with Whitney Miller, which I'm so excited about. I had to... um, Oh man, how do I say this? When I reached out to you, I felt my hands like shaking as I was sending a DM because as the show kind of got its start and everything else, like, man, who would I really love to talk to? And you were on the top of that list. I kind of got to this place in my life where I was like, Lindsay, the absolute worst thing that could happen is this person says no. And then you like move forward with your life, but you didn't say no, you said yes. And in our quick chat before the show, kind of talking about new beginnings and new experiences. And so I'm so excited to be in tandem walking this new experience journey with you. Um, Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I'm so glad that you reached out and kind of like pushed that, pushed through that fear. Cause I totally, I understand that in so many ways, even from hosting my own show and reaching out to guests and being like, uh, are they just going to totally blow me off here? But guess what? You survive if they do. (laughs) Right. (laughs) But I'm so happy to be here with you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I know on your show, it was a lot of sex and maybe more traditional and non-traditional relationships and a lot of sex experts, which I loved and possibly we'll get into that. But what I love right now is the season of life that you're in. I think you shared on Instagram the other day, your tattoo that people always ask you about. Maybe that could be a place where we dive in and can launch this whole conversation. What is the tattoo? What's the meaning? Yeah. So it's just like this random tattoo I have on my wrist. It's not even like that cool, to be honest, (laughs) but 
I, it says 7616 uh, stands for July 6, 2016. And that date, I was just basically so fed up with myself from constantly holding myself back and not thinking I was good enough and not putting myself out there and just really like playing small. And I finally just got frustrated and I was talking to my partner at the time and I was just in tears. Like, why can't I do the things that I want to do? Like, why can't I do that? Um, and really there is no why I was the only why was that I was stopping myself. So I decided I was like, screw it. I'm going to go down to Sixth street in Austin, Texas at like 10 PM on a Monday. So, you know, their tattoo artist was top notch Top notch. <laughs> psyched to be there <laughs> yeah, for sure. It's probably the first tattoo he's ever done. Um, but I went in and I was just like, you know what, tattoo this date in red, kind of like my blood that says like you are going to stop doing this to yourself. You're going to stop hindering yourself. You're going to start fully living. And this is going to be that constant reminder every day that when I get scared of something, like if you get scared of sending a DM to someone and come on the podcast, it's like, I look at my wrist and say, nope. Mm -mm. So this is slaps me across the face and brings me like kind of out of that fear loop that I can tend to find myself in when I'm pushing the boundaries. <laughs> yeah. And speaking of pushing the boundaries, you have launched a music career, which yeah. Some people only dream of, right? When I sit with my guitar in my living room, there's a part of me that's like, that'd be cool, but I've never done it, right? What's that process look like? And how many times have you stared fear in the face because of it? Every second of every day. There's not a moment that goes by that I'm not somewhat fearful of something, either made up or irrational fear or, you know, just self-limiting beliefs because this, this to me, that's really one of the reasons why I got this tattoo is I was holding myself from, from pursuing something that I've always wanted to do since I was a little girl. Every, like every day I thought about performing in front of people and writing my own music and, and being able to play the guitar and share my voice in that way. But I was told from someone very close to me that I couldn't sing when I was 10. And that was something that wildly enough, I totally internalized and completely shut down. So from that day, I never sang in front of anybody ever, ever until recently, honestly. Um, but I would always sing by myself and I just knew this was something I wanted to do. And I had this, uh, actually went and did ayahuasca, um, maybe a couple of years ago. And it showed me if I don't pursue this, like if I don't really allow this to come through, if I don't open my voice, um, I'm going to get sick. It's going to show up in some sort of disease in my, in my body. And really it showed me it was coming out in my gut. Um, but that's a whole nother story for that. But, um, so that next day I walked into the sharing circle and in 20, in front of 25 people, I sang in front of 25 people. And it was just this big, most terrifying thing. Like I was like shaking while I was doing it. Uh, everyone was in tears and it, I mean, it was a really cool experience, but from that day, I was like, I have to do this. I have to, I cannot, I cannot live another day not doing this. And it became really so excruciating to withhold that from myself that I, that I, I said, I went for it and hired a vocal coach and I've been working with a vocal coach for a while. And once I feel like you step into what you really feel like you're on this planet to do things start to unfold. And I think that sounds so freaking cliche when I say it, but I cannot begin to tell you like how things have just completely opened up for me 
um, once I said yes. And it really, for me, this whole, this whole process is, you know, we talked a little bit about this was, you know, music is amazing and I love making it, but that's like the, that for me, that's a little bit of the surface level. There's so much underneath that's like a initiation that I've been going through to open that side of me up and allow me to fully live my potential and fully live the life that I actually want to live and take responsibility for that. Um, it's just, it's just been the most beautiful experience of my life. And I will tell you, I am the happiest. I'm the most free. I am fucking loving my life. I don't know if I can say the F word. I'm sorry. Say it. Say it. <laughs> I, I don't have much of a feeling. Um, I'm literally the happiest I've ever been. And I have never dealt with more anxiousness. I have never dealt with more fear. I have never dealt with more sleepless nights ever before in my life, but it's because I am walking into my biggest fear and I don't know what's ahead of me, but I can tell you I'm too far in to turn back around. I can't do that to myself anymore. Yeah. It's so crazy how, little conversations. I don't know. I'm, I'm making an assumption here, but that person, when you were 10 years old, that told you, you couldn't sing probably has no recollection of ever telling you that. They don't. I know for a fact they don't. Yeah. And those moments, I talk about this all the time with my clients. When we sit down and we get to meet the inner critic and we get curious about that part and we start asking it questions, how often when I ask them, does it even sound like your voice? It'll be someone's voice of a person just like that. Mine, yeah. bless her heart, mine's my mom. <laughs> and I like oh, yeah. hear her voice, right? But how often we internalize these things and have no idea our body is holding on to that and our soul. And logically, we're like, yeah, let go of it. You were 10, let go of it. But that fear that comes up, I can only imagine through this initiation process how many times you've heard that voice. Girl, all the time, all the time. And it's just, it's wild. It's really wild how, how it can show up constantly in our lives. Cause you're right. I can logically, I can coach myself out of it like that. I know all the right things to say and all the practices I can do, but still my body physically responds. Like even talking about it now, I have like, I can feel like my feet feel a little funny. My hands are a little like, Ooh, yeah. Okay. Like it's still very present there. And it's interesting. It's really, it's, it's become now a little bit of a game for me. It's like, oh, well, look at that. You're still scared. Isn't that funny? <laughs> Oops, I can't hear you. Sorry. Oops, sorry. There we go. How'd you get to that place? Because people so often are like, yep, I feel fear. I'm scared. I'm either going to avoid whatever it was that was bringing my feet feeling funny or my hands feeling tingly into this moment. And I'm just going to avoid it or numb it out or doing the things. And you've gotten to this place where you're like, huh, well, there's fear. <laughs> nice of you to join us, but right. fuck I'm off. Like, hey, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Hey, and um, bye-bye. You're not invited to this party. Um, you know, I, thankfully, like a lot of the experiences that I've been through in life have pushed me into, into fear from unconventional relationships or doing plant medicine ceremonies, or even traveling by myself. Like there's athletics even prior to that, you know, it, it's, I've always put myself in uncomfortable situations. Um, so I did hone that a bit. And I always told myself fear is my guiding star. Now this is before I actually pursued music. 
And I always had that voice in the back of my head, you know, fear is your guiding star, go towards your fear, go towards your fear. So I did all of these other things to kind of scratch that itch of going towards my fear and using fear as my guiding star. If I'm afraid of something just like this tattoo, I know exactly what I need to do. I need to do that one thing. There are no questions anymore. It's just that. Um, And I told myself that for so long and parts of me really believed it. Parts of me did it in many ways. I took a boxing fight when I was just handed my crown over as Miss United States and trained MMA and did all of that. Like that was really, really scary. (laughs) I could have gotten knocked out in front of everybody, but, um, but now it's like, okay, I'm taking all of those times that I practiced fear as my guiding star into now the biggest, most risky to me, fear and dream that I could possibly even think of, which is now music. And so for me, I have a lot of practice doing it. And, and now I'm just taking those same practices into, into music. And, and I also just know how excruciating it was for me to hold myself back from doing it. Um, and for the people who are listening, when it comes to fear, it's like, listen, we all, we all feel it. Like, like I said, I'm terrified every single day. And most people think one thing I hear from people is you're fearless. You just go for things. I'm like, hell no. I'm like the furthest from fearless. I just try things, but I will tell you the best feeling in the world. And my favorite feeling in the world that I am now pretty much addicted to is the feeling after you do something that you're afraid of. It's that like, Oh my God, I did it. Like you, you just feel so amazing. You feel so accomplished. You feel unstoppable. Like it it almost makes me emotional thinking about it because it's just such a beautiful sensation. And it's something that no one else can give you. Only you can give yourself that sensation and that feeling. And the more you do it, the more confident you get. And man, it's, I, I can't, I just can't encourage it anymore. I wish you guys could see Whitney's face right now because she is so full of (laughs) smiles and emotions. That was very, very real. Um, This initiation process that is underneath the surface of writing music, which it's not just performing someone else's song, right? I think of lyrics, art, dreams. They're all these kind of pathways into the unconscious or our deepest processes. So what has it been like sharing that with people and what has your initiation process been? So songwriting for me has been really interesting because I, I grew up, my single father raised me from the time I was in fourth grade on. And I learned very early on that emotions do nothing for you. Um, You don't feel them. It doesn't change your environment. You don't cry. You just get up, you work hard, you do the thing you accomplish. That's it. Tears don't help anything. And so I, for a very long time, never cried. I was just so cut off to that side of me because I didn't think it helped anything. Now, looking back, I, I understand that that gave me superpowers that gave me, you know, a very strong independence within myself, very strong, like, um, confidence. I'm able to accomplish things I put my th- myself into and, but also it closed me off to where I wasn't very open to the world around me. I wasn't even open to my own emotions. And so it would just be like kind of this blank slate. I, I always, I always had like images of me as like a little girl in, 
you know, inside my head of just like holding on to these bars, trying to scream when on the outside, it's just like, oh, Whitney's good. She's the strong one. She can handle anything. She's got it. And truthfully, totally being transparent. I liked that a little bit. I liked having that, you know, but I was also struggling internally because I didn't know how to talk about my feelings or to tell people how I felt or tell my partner what was going on with me or anything like that. And so when I started opening up into songwriting, it gave me kind of that portal to drop into the emotions fully without judgment too. Um, there was just one instance. I remember I was sitting with an ex of mine and I had this one thought that was like a fairly inappropriate thought, <laughs> but, and normally I would be like, Oh no, I'm not going to think about that. But through the practice of songwriting and allowing myself to just explore whatever emotions and feelings are coming up, I was able to just kind of unwind it all and create this story in my head that eventually became a song that I recorded. Um, but it was just really cool to give myself the permission to just feel it without worrying about how people are going to think about it or how I'm going to think about it, or if I'm not strong enough, or I shouldn't be thinking that. Um, and so it's dropped me down into my, into my feminine side, into that creative kind of wild, um, you know, open, beautiful sensations that we all feel as a female. And it's just been so amazing because not only does that help me understand myself more and kind of like, huh, what's going on underneath the surface or where does that want to go? And why do you feel this way when I'll write a song and I'll get so many answers onto why I'm actually feeling a certain way because I just gave myself the chance to sit there and open up to it. Yeah. You found the key to that like cage yeah. that <laughs> emotional exactly. Whitney wanted out. Exactly. I had a very similar, my parents were divorced. I spent 50, 50 time with them, but, um, really young age learned like exactly what you said. Tears don't get you anywhere. And I think what was so hard for me, similar to what you said was I loved that part. I loved the part of me that could sit at the boys table and command respect Yep. I could walk into a like arena, be it whatever sport and know that I was like going to hold my own. Mm -hmm. And I remember going to therapy and it, it was internal family systems, IFS for those listening, they've heard me talk about it a million times. Yes. And that part would walk into the room and argue with my therapist. And I'd be, <laughs> and it would be like, no, you just don't get it. I'm not fucking feeling that. And she's like, Lindsay, I'm arguing with a part right now. <laughs> and I was like, no, you're not. You just don't understand it. She's like, okay. And when you're in self, right? Cause that's kind of this concept of IFS is that self is capable of holding all of the emotions that all of these parts came out of the woodwork to handle, right? And they're not doing a very good job of it. So we can let self take over and handle the emotions that are coming up. We can feel them more fully, integrate them and, and walk forward. She's like, when you're in self, would you be arguing with me like this right now? And I was like, Oof. Mm -hmm. I just deflated immediately. Right. I was like, okay, checkmate. You got it. My right. like masculine part is up that I really liked. Yeah. And so how was it to kind of, you don't ever shed that part of yourself. You just know when it serves you to lean into it. And when you kind of have to release the reins for a little bit, how have you kind of navigated that? And how do you know when? it's serving you and when it's getting in your way. 
you know, I mean, it still gets in my way all the time. You know, it's not like, I don't think I'm, I'm perfect in being able to decipher who shows up at the table at the exact time, because I know that I can still be dismissive. I know that I can still be like, well, fucking handle it. Like, you're fine. Don't worry about it. Like, why is this such a big deal? And I know that I'm the same way to myself. Um, but I've started like now that, you know, songwriting is a part of it. And that really like helps me kind of maneuver all of that. I've really like given myself the opportunity to do different practices outside of that. Like I'm, I don't really enjoy meditation. I'm a very hyperactive person, so I should probably do meditation, but look, it's not my, it's not my thing. I've tried it a million times, but for me, meditation is like a hot yoga class, you know, and tapping. I've started doing like tapping to, for like affirmations and to break some, some, um, self-limiting beliefs and cycles and patterns that I find myself in I'm brand new into that, but I'm loving it already. Um, and so really for me, it's about just bringing, exercising that muscle a little bit of the feminine, where I was like, the masculine is there, you know, like I, it's like, I don't need to really pay much attention to it. It's just there. I just need to make sure I'm doing whatever it is to support the feminine. So she feels safe enough and strong enough to show up. And then there's this, there's this dance. And luckily, you know, I'm also surrounded by people who call it out in me, which I really appreciate. Um, Have you, know, you always I, appreciated it? I don't, probably not. No, I don't like it. I'll tell you that much, <laughs> it, but I don't like it, you know? Big difference. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But there is a part of me that's like, okay, you're right. Thank you. I needed that. Uh-huh. And I'm back. And so it's just having that mirror is so helpful and important. And I think I was, I was in a partnership who was someone who recently who was very, he held the masculine down and I feel like I didn't have to. So it really allowed me to just step back and not be in that place. And I hadn't, I hadn't experienced that because I'm always the masculine one in a relationship and I'm always making the decision and things are on my terms. <laughs> and it was really nice to be in a relationship with that mirror and that reflection to say like, Hey, babe, stop. Like, just stop, take a deep breath. Don't worry about it. Like, let me handle it and trusting someone to do that. Yeah. Trusting someone to show up when they say they're going to, I think so many of us have gotten burned in that. Yeah. The difference between words and actions. And so when you can be in that safe place for someone to actually do it, it's, it's really beautiful. I'm struggling with that right now. Here you are being a mirror for me. I like my partner and I have relationship check-ins and we talk about like, okay, we have really crazy schedules that are just like half of our check-in is just like, when are there blocks that we actually see each other? It's not yeah. just like falling into bed at night and sleeping next to each other, but when do we see each other? And can we be intentional about that time? So important. And I got so into like, okay, we have this block on this day and this day, and we're going to do this. And we're going to fill this time this way. And he was like, Lince, <laughs> is there any room for spontaneity? Is there any room for us to just be free and flow into this? And I was like, yeah, yeah, we can have spontaneity between four and six on Thursday. And he yeah. was like, listen to what you just said. <laughs> <laughs> Let that sink in. And I was like, oh, okay. Got mm -hmm. it. Got like, it. <laughs> sometimes I just have to release that, right? What do you mean? I'm being spontaneous right now. Yeah. Four o'clock. Let me be spontaneous. Ready, go. <laughs> Ready, go. What are we doing? <laughs> 
Um, how do you know? I think that we're getting um, really caught up in talking masculine and feminine, which I love. And I think for some people listening, they're probably like, wait, I'm female identifying or I'm male identifying. We have these two things. So can you break that down a little bit and then kind of go into, we've gotten pretty clear on what the masculine feels like. How do we know we're in the feminine? Yeah. Yeah. The, I, I, I totally understand when people are like, what do you mean? I, I identify as a female. I don't have, I'm not masculine. Um, but we all have fe- feminine and masculine poles within us and that can show up in different personality traits, or it can show up in your relationship or how you act or the hobbies that you have, whatever it is, but we have these two poles, um, within us. And so masculine, we talked about, you know, it's like the very, it's the doer we're showing up, we're doing the thing we're, we're on time. It's like really putting that into action, which can help being a female who has a strong masculine side is usually someone who's out there accomplishing as much as they possibly can. Um, they could be running a business, but they could also be a mom at home who's running a household and you're using that masculine side to keep the household together, to keep the kids from jumping out the window and feeding them on time and all of these things. But then also that same mom has that feminine side who's feeding and nurturing and rubbing their feet and making sure they're having a good day. And then the same for you, that self-care side, you know, it's taking care of yourself. Maybe it's like, there's a self-pleasure practice. Maybe it's, you know, going to get your nails done. It's like, whatever it is that really drops you out into your heart outside of your head. So, I mean, I think both poles live in our heads and hearts, but I think if we really wanted to simplify it, it's kind of like your feminine is really leading from your heart and then your masculine is doing from your mind. Yeah. How has songwriting led you into your heart other than this process? Because I have this vision of like you scribbling in a notepad and just like purging emotions. <laughs> I know. Yeah. I mean, really how it works for me is I, I have a writing session later today, actually. And it's interesting because I, I ask for guidance um, of like, what should I write today? Like, I don't really know what I'm going to write. And um for me, it's like, I just go in and I just tell them how I'm feeling. And most of the time I'm with strangers y'all. So like, I will take my journal that I write the wildest things. <laughs> no one should be seeing. I take my journal into a songwriting session and I open it up and I start reading and seeing like what I can pull out um, to create into this song. And so that's been a really big process for me because it's not only like sharing not only dropping into my emotions and my feelings and what's going on there, but also sharing it with a complete stranger in a room. And we just go back and forth and we just start talking like, well, how did that make you feel? What's an example of this? How does this work? And when your dad did that to you, how did you feel then, you know, and what are the things that you wish you would have said to your partner 10 years ago when this happened, you know, and it's just like this puzzle piece. It's almost like an unfolding of things. And then you put it all back together in this like cohesive song. And like I said, that's the one thing that's really taught me how to drop down into, into my feminine and trust that whatever comes out on paper is supposed to be written and not trying to judge it as much. Like that is, is sacred. Maybe I'll never release a song that I write today. Maybe never, maybe it sucks, but maybe it 
it's a very healing process for me and that's all I get out of it today. Maybe it's a healing process for the other writer I'm with and that's all. Or maybe we write a complete banger and I'm going to release it and we all get to heal from it too. <laughs> you know, you just never know, but it's it's been a huge process in not judging any sort of feeling that's that's present. Yeah. I think my and I'll just say I I won't even umbrella this to everyone else, but that's something that I know I can work on, right? Is like, there's feelings that we prefer and then there's feelings that we lean away from. And it's always the songs that bring you into the feelings that you typically lean away from that resonate so deeply. So I can only imagine what the healing is like for you and everyone else in the room. Yeah. Yeah. It's been really, it's been really great. And this, this process is funny. I was making a joke about it. I, my last relationship that I was in, we recently split up, but more so recently kind of rekindled things and that whole like when I release this album it's basically like from the moment I fell in love to the moment I was thinking about breaking up to when we broke up to after we broke up to when we get back together <laughs> yes, yes. You're like Ed, welcome to Whitney's journal this yeah like- exactly <laughs> welcome to Whitney's relationship journal if you ever wonder what's in there buckle up buckle up it'll be released yeah, um, that's perfect segue because I wanted to ask when you are right when you're in a room of songwriters, there's this um, I'm not trying to sound too woo, but this container or this space that they are holding. And it's much easier for anyone's nervous system to show up in that space that is safe, that is known as free from judgment, that is there to be expansive and creative and start to dig onto these deeper emotions. And then you release it and the world takes it, right? How do you, what is that like? Cause the world, I mean, fuck, internet trolls are scary enough. The world at large, right? You can have your words and your soul and the, your relationship journal blasted to all of those people. How's that making you feel? I'm working with a therapist. <laughs> Plug uh, for therapy guys. They, <laughs> we go through a lot of training for this. Thank God. Um, yeah, it's, you know, that's again, along the same lines of, of, uh, dealing with that fear, because I can sit here and make myself sick thinking about how people are going to respond to my art basically. And my heart that I just put into a song and was like, here you go. Um, and you know, I had a vocal coach tell me when I went into the studio a few years back to record a song and he goes, you know, don't worry about it. Whatever was recorded was sacred. That was exactly what was supposed to be recorded that day. And, um, I'm, I'm trying to remember that, you know, I'm releasing my debut single here in about a month called diamond country. And it's not a very vulnerable song. It's a big, like party anthem. Don't care. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Don't care about being extra. Just put it out there. Who cares? It's, it's super fun song. Um, it's not vulnerable in the necessarily words of it, but it's very vulnerable because it's a piece of what I wanted to put out into the world. And it's my biggest fear. And then I'm putting it on a platter and being like, okay, everyone judge my biggest fear now. Yeah, Ready? Feast go. on it. <laughs> yeah. Feast. Tell me everything you hate about it. And cause you know, I'm going to just look at all those comments. <laughs> we all do. But, yeah. But I think also too, there's a, there's a thing about, I think it's when we talk about timing, like divine timing and without sounding too woo woo, I do believe there is 
a specific timing that had to take place in order for this to come to life in the way that it is, because I have so much practice from hosting my own show and podcast to putting myself on Instagram to really talking about the ins and outs of my controversial relationship with my ex. And so I was, I got pretty good at dealing with internet trolls. And I understand that most of the time you're just, you're ruffling their feathers because they're insecure about something within themselves. Um, and so I've taken on the stance of like, well, good. Like if, if, they're getting ruffled in some way, perhaps maybe I planted a seed that could give them a slightly new perspective. I don't care if they change their mind. I don't, whatever. It's not my life. You do you, boo. But if I could just plant a seed to where it's just a slight different perspective than I already won. And at the end of the day, as long as I'm happy with what I'm doing and happy with the end result of that, then again, I won. And everyone can come after me, but I was the one that stepped stepped into the ring and showed up. And that that to me is like the biggest thing that I could possibly do for myself. Because if I allow other people to dictate what I do in my life based on whatever ideal of how they think I should act, I'm going to be absolutely like terrified of life. I'm going to hate it. It's not going to be fun anymore. And at the end of the day, I want life to be fun. Like I search for fun. That that's who I am. And I'm just going to keep going for that, regardless of how, how these people are going to respond or not. I really want people to like it. Okay. Don't get me wrong. Um, but, but also I know that I'm going to be okay when the trolls show up and I expect them to show up. Yeah. I, uh, I remember talking, it feels like another lifetime ago, I was talking to a friend. We were all very competitive in the CrossFit space at the time. And I remember her getting her first comment that was like, ew, you're on steroids or, you know, whatever it is that they tell a very fit girl and someone who had been in the space a lot longer than us was like, cool, you've made it. Yeah, you've made it. You've made someone uncomfortable enough that they would rather, you know, call out some cheat or hack or whatever, than really take the time to look at themselves and realize how much hard work it would take for them to, to look like that or perform this goal or any of those things. And so Mm -hmm. I love that outlook and that reframe. Mm -hmm. Um, something you and I have talked about offline. I don't even know if you'll remember this or not, but I remember you posting one day on Instagram about kind of your walk with anger. Mm -hmm. And I think that in this conversation, and especially speaking to the feminine, there is a handful of emotions that women, and I'm putting air quotes here for those that can't see me, that women are not supposed to feel or allowed to feel or be public about feeling them. Um, When I talk to my clients about it, I say, imagine going into a sports bar and the team is losing, right? And men are fucking throwing things and freaking out. And it's like, okay, you don't even know the sports team, but they're yours. I get get it. Okay. But you're fucking freaking out. Now take that whole room and transpose women in there and a man walks into that. They'd be like, get all of these women committed now. Like they are crazy people. Right. So there's these emotions or these feelings that as a society, we have deemed more masculine and are not supposed to be felt by women. And during this songwriting process, during your healing, during all of these things, um, I know anger has been one of those things that all women and those listening, it probably brings up some crunchiness or discomfort in you to think about embracing that side of yourself. How has that come up for you and how have you been kind of walking with it? You know, it's still hard for me to be totally open with that. It's, 
it's one emotion, anger, that I have a very hard time tapping into. I can get angry if somebody treats someone I love in a way that I find, you know, not good, but a way that I don't like. Um, and I can find anger then, but I still don't feel very well. I don't actually know what the word would be, but I, I, I don't feel like I'm very good at expressing anger because it, it's soon, it's soon, as soon as it comes up, it's like, oh, I don't, I don't need to feel that. Like, let me go find the bright side. Let me go find the positive. How can I coach myself out of this without giving myself the opportunity to actually just feel it? Um, and so that's something I've been working on with my therapist. I've actually talked to my, my best friend moved here with me oh, too. Nice. Me. I know it's like a girl house. It's, it's funny because we're both 33 and usually like society's like, wait, you guys are in your thirties, like living together. Yeah, girl. It's awesome. <laughs> You're like, yeah, we like do the dishes. Now the house isn't fucking gross. Exactly. We figured it out enough and we can live together. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it's been great. Isn't great moving to a place with your best friend just having that like sense of home. Um, but we found this book, I think it's actually called anger and we're going to do like a little book club on it to like, start just opening up into that. Because again, that's just about being a fully expressed human. And like your anger is beautiful at the end of the day, you know, it comes a lot of the times it's there because we're hurt by something. And if we can open that box up, we can then remove the hurt and feel more free at the end of the day. Just takes that. It takes a courage to step into anger because it can be really scary. And like you said, our society says that women can't be angry because if we're angry, we're, we're crazy. Right. We're hysteric. Yeah. We're hysteric. And I know that, you know, we could go back to the witch burnings and all of that stuff, but really even just today, that's just how, how we are. That's just like what, what we're kind of fed in that way. So, you know, like I said, truthfully, I'm still walking that path. I'm still trying to open myself into that because I live very much so in the, everything's fine. And I'm very happy. Yes. One of my practices in that was, um, right. When you ask someone, and even if it is like the most superficial, like your barista asks you how you're doing, right. Not just be like, I'm good. My biggest kind of practice lately in mine has been like, what is my honest answer to that? Right. Like recently with, um, the 4th of July, people are like, how was your fourth? What'd you do? And my honest answer has been like, I just didn't really feel like America deserved a birthday today. (laughs) Like it was supposed to go to its room and think about what it did. And I was okay with sitting in that, like, I know I'm supposed to be jolly. And for the longest time, 4th of July, I'm from California. It was spent on the beach in a tiny bikini and plenty of Coors Light, you know? And I was like, this is one of my favorite holidays. And I'm really angry about it this year. And Mm -hmm. I'm just going to let myself be angry about it. And it's funny watching people's responses when you give them an honest answer. (laughs) What did you get? Like, what was your craziest response that you got? Or is there like a memorable one that you remember? (laughs) I kind of move more than anything. It was either like, I live in Denver now, which is, you know, I moved here from Santa Cruz. And so we've got a lot of, a lot of liberal thought, which is great. I fit right into that. But, you know, I either got like right on my side, like a girl wearing a, like free my uterus shirt that was like, yeah, fuck yeah. You know? And it was like total in alignment or there was just like complete shutdown. 
on someone else's end, right? Like, yeah. oh, she said something that like, I don't know how to respond to. And I'm just going to like give this awkward kind of smile and send her on her way. And I think that those are the things that so often deter us from being that full self, right? Is wondering how it is that society or our partner or our friends or these people that have put us in a box and labeled it Whitney or Lindsay, and this is how this person responds in this moment. When you start acting outside of that response, it's uncomfortable for them. Yeah. And I think as women, right? And talking about leaning into the feminine, being the caretakers and the nurturers that we are, it's really hard for women to want to like rattle, rattle that chain a little bit. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm, I'm very excited about diving more into it. And I think really it's only going to help humanity and society, you know, for women to be okay with that and support that not only within themselves, but within each other, you know, and, and sit down with a girlfriend who's like, fucking pissed. Like, all right, what can we do here? You want to go smash some things? Let's go smash some things. Let's go scream into a pillow. I know some people had rage rooms where they could just go let it all out, you know, which I think is, is great because we so often have to keep it all together. And if we're angry, then angry has to look like this and that's it. (laughs) That's it. (laughs) And on the flip side of that, right. For any men that are listening, it's not that you don't struggle with this same thing you just struggle with it in a different way right like we live in a society that makes it totally okay for men to be angry and that's almost expected right go back to the sports scene analogy that I gave you and because of that so often many of the big emotions that want to come out often expresses anger um, for male identifying folk not always um But that is something that, right, when we look at the spectrum of things, women fall on one side and men on the other. And I think there's a lot of beauty and learning and like men leading into that feminine side, right? Being okay with expressing your emotions and having a safe place for those tears to come out or whatever it is. And women, right? Having your rage room, having your friend that's like, yeah, let's go smash some some shit, right? Instead of just like, ooh, calm down. Like, it's not so bad. Let's make you feel better. Right. That completely invalidates whatever, right. It kind of like, even though it comes from a place of love, it's like, oh my gosh, my person's hurting. I don't want them to hurt. It unintentionally kind of gaslights them to be like, oh wait, my feelings aren't valid. Or like this big thing that's coming up, you don't have space for. And that was my fear in the first place. Yeah, girl, I hate. So (laughs) to my fault probably i love reality tv i just what was that one where they date in the pods uh love is blind love it i also also sit there very interesting experience like experiment i would love to maybe see how i respond in that right (laughs) and also but like not a week right like give me some time in these pods that's i think the crunchiest part of it for me but i've watched every episode and love it and then maybe don't get engaged right after like maybe go on a real date after yeah Yeah. But what I see in a lot of these like housewives and things, when someone gets upset, it's always like, oh, sweetheart, don't cry. Don't cry. Don't be upset. Everything's going to be okay. Don't, 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 don't do this. Don't have this emotional reaction of whatever it is that's coming up to this circumstance instead of like, yeah, girl, let those tears go. Like, let it come out, allow that to go. And I always say like, when, cause 
again, I've, you know, had this whole thing of trying to get into my emotions. So I was the queen of don't cry and don't show your emotion. And now it's, to me, it's okay. If I'm crying, that means things are in motion. That means I am actually healing right now in, in current, in this time and space right now, just by allowing my tears to flow, that is already growth. And so I think if women, as we support each other throughout life and our family members and ourselves and our friends, it's like, if you see your girl crying, you know, go over there and and say like, yeah, let it go. Like, just let it out. You know, like if you see someone throwing up, it's going to be a terrible analogy. (laughs) Throwing up, you don't tell them to stop throwing up. You're like, yes, get it out. Like, let me hold your hair, girl. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Let me hold your hair. Like, let's go get it out. You know, but, and I think that should kind of be a little bit taken towards our emotions and be like, let's go. Like, yes, crying is beautiful. You're like cleansing your soul and your heart right now in real time. I think that was the best analogy. I don't (laughs) think it was terrible at all. And the perfect mic drop to kind of start wrapping this up. But as people are listening and like, damn, first off, I want to hear the whole album of Whitney's relationship. <laughs> Second, I love what she's talking about. I love that she's so honest about her process and open about it. Where do people find that? Where, where do they find you? Thank you. Thank you for that. Um, yeah, you can find me on Instagram. It's wit in love, W H I T N L O V E. And that's on TikTok. I'm not very, you know, on TikTok much. So I would say Instagram is uh, the place to be. And then we're releasing the debut single, um, Diamond Country, hopefully at the end of July or early August. Um, and that'll have a really fun music video. And we'll launch that everywhere on Spotify, Amazon Music, iTunes. And um, we'll have a pre-save link that I can send you. And pre-save is huge for us artists. That really shows that people are interested in what we are putting out there. And so if you could just pre-save it, I would squeeze all of you guys. <laughs> I would just be so, so grateful of that. Um, but yeah, check me out on Instagram and, and you'll get all the updates on the music that's to come. Awesome. I will put that in the show notes and obviously hit that pre-save button. Whitney, thank you so much. Thank you. This is so much fun. 